Hey, it's Ronnie Ron here. It is the Saturday Night Springfield Special celebrating the birthday of Rick Springfield again. Yes, it seems like we do this every year. It's because we do do this every year. If he would only stop having birthdays, we'll talk about that. But first, let's talk to a man who has known the Ricker a good portion of his life. By golly, he's been there for him not only as a bandmate, he's been there as a producer, as also a friend, and I think he's even walked a dog or two for him. Ladies and gentlemen, actually, I've got two people on the phone, but I'm going to let him introduce that second person. Uh, he has got personality problems. He is Jeff Silverman. Jeff, what's going on, buddy? Arf. No, I'm sorry. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, they met me outside today, and I got my food, and I got my cookie, and I'm ready to go, man. your belly rub, buddy? Oh, man. All right. I'm ready to go. It's been a while since we had you on the show here, man. you got a lot of stuff that's been going on with you. Uh, not just you, but also I understand you've got your other half there with you, Miss Deborah Lynn. Debbie, how you doing? I'm doing just fine, Mr. Rowdy. How are you? That's wonderful. I wonder. I need you to tone down that accent a little bit. Can you be a little <laughs> bit more Chicago for us? All right. I could do, I could do New York, walking and talking. New York. Yeah, all right. Let's do this whole interview that okay. way, all right? Oh, okay. Got this broad Deborah on here with her band right there, Jeff, all right? Hey, Deborah, how you doing? You crazy broad, you all right? Hey, I'm doing God. just fine. That sounds good, all right? You take care of that thing I told you about? I did. All right, that's good. Jeff, you took care of that thing, right? Uh, I, I don't even... All right, let's get back into this, folks. So, Jeff Silverman, Deborah Lynn... Jeff, you've been with uh, the Ricker for quite some time here. We're going to talk a little bit more about your connection with him. Um, we got stuff to discuss, obviously, with Deborah Lynn. So before we get to all that fun stuff, man, what have you been up to lately, the both of you? Well, I think I'd like to tell you. Good answer. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> well, there's always something interesting going on around here, which is great creatively, and I, I, I feel very lucky to say that, especially in these times. Um, COVID's changed things, obviously, huh, buddy? How, what, what, what have you guys been doing? Like, what? How did you first handle it? It actually increased our business because I've always been in the virtual side of recording, and I've been doing this Zoom thing only differently, like we're doing right now. We're actually streaming each other's voices. You're in Florida, and I'm we're here in Nashville, and it's, it's a live stream, and that sort of saved me in a lot of ways because it enabled me to continue with projects that would have otherwise bit the dust. And there were a lot of musicians, too, that couldn't even get out of their homes and go to studios. So we were able to keep them working and um, by having them actually record in their homes and then directly into my computer, into my sessions. So they didn't have to do anything except just play. So they were like another cutting room. It was a little bit of educating at the same time, getting people acclimated to recording virtually. But it kept things uh, busy for us. And I think, you know, what it just shows more than anything is that the creatives don't go down when life goes down. It seems like it gets better. It's like the, the creatives come alive when things are tough. And Yeah. And I saw a lot of artists were kind of struggling at the beginning, obviously, because nobody knew what to do. Tours got shut down. Like you said, people weren't going uh, into the studios anymore because we had never lived through anything like this before. So everybody was in panic, obviously. Um I know you and Deborah were obviously out there getting as much hand sanitizer, soap, and toilet paper, obviously. <laughs> yes, ladies and gentlemen, we have the Silvermans. They are hoarders, but that's okay. So No, no. Um, but the, the cool thing is it sounds like you were prepped for it. So it was almost, and I hate to say this, not in an ill way, but it was almost like a godsend for you because like all of a sudden, like you said, business picked up, and you were like one of the people out there who were like, hey, we could still keep moving forward, man. The world doesn't have to stop turning. It's, I mean, it's that's right because yeah. the Stones did it. I mean, Rick obviously did it. I mean, everybody started doing the online stuff. Def Leppard had recorded some stuff. They, I know, they had talked about that on the radio show, where one guy was like over in Scotland, one guy was in the UK, and they actually got together online and were able to record uh, for their new album. So that's very cool, man. You guys were able to just pick up the pieces and keep going like nothing ever happened. Well, actually, when it first started. I think one of the people that I noticed the most was Keith Urban, and he was constantly out there with Nicole Kidman and just having fun, and I wasn't seeing anything from Rick. I emailed him, and I said, hey, what's going on? Look at this. This is pretty cool stuff. And I think he was feeling pretty down at that point, pretty lost, because that's what he loves. He he gets out live, and that was no longer a possibility. And I think he was one of the ones that were really uh, affected quite a lot, you know, in that live touring earthquake. And... um he just came alive after that. It was just amazing. He just was nonstop. And we worked together a lot during that time. We were constantly sending stuff back and forth, and I was doing work with him. Uh, DeGeneres. Uh, Vance. Vance. I'm sorry. Vance DeGeneres you, was also You're like welcome. a big part of that. I think 
his Rick's manager also represented Vance or represents Vance, and so he matched made them both together, and um, it was a lot of fun. I mean, there was some crazy stuff, and it was silly sometimes, but you know, it was it was good because it was keeping people happy and uh, involved, and, and sort of getting their minds off of what, everything that was going on. Like anything else, Rick always takes it 10 steps forward and then takes another 10. And he never stops. He just continually goes nonstop. He's a, he's more than a workaholic. He's sort of compelled to constantly be creating. And I think it's more of a, a gift than it is a, a negative. Eventually, The Wall Will Fall came into play. And uh, I was involved in helping in the background. I think that was a mix that was done by Maddie. And then I was getting into this 3D binaural stuff. I had a feeling about 3D binaural headphone experiences, but it, well, Dolby Atmos wasn't out yet. I talked to Rick and his manager quite a bit, and we decided to go ahead and do a version of The Wall Will Fall on 3D binaural. And that means headphones mainly with that type of mix, but it, you experience something that's very spatial. You know, it's very immersive. That's what binaural means. It's your your ears, your 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 perspective from top, bottom, sides, front, back. Shortly after we did that, I saw that there was a lot of movement in the thing called Dolby Atmos, which Apple, six months ago, has made official that they they put it on the map. But there were other companies that were doing it. And that's that's a huge asset for the music business, which really needs help right now. So I made a commitment to redo the whole studio into uh, 714, which means it's no longer two speakers, it's 12 Wow. And uh, as of middle of last year, when Apple announced that they were taking on Dolby Atmos and their version of 3D binaural, which is called Spatial Audio, it all of a sudden, everybody took a deep breath and went, it's finally happened. If you look online, if you look at Apple Music and you look at just Google, how many people have done these Dolby Atmos mixes, it's phenomenal. I mean, some of the biggest acts in the world are, are now on board. All uh, Deb's last album, I Can't Remember to Forget You, which was the 15th anniversary remix, so to speak, that we wanted to bring back, was all done in Dolby Atmos. And then we have a project now that I'd love Debbie to talk about instead of me blabbing, which is uh, a <laughs> Soulgrass project. That It was her original band when I first met her with a dear, dear friend of ours and mine. Since I met back way back in the late 70s, thanks to Rick and uh, his bass player. Robbie Levin. Billy Ray Latham was a good friend of his, and he brought Billy to one of the gigs, and we just hit it off. And before I knew it, you know, the guy's like a good friend, and then pretty soon he's my best friend. And uh, he was always around, always really supportive. And a matter of fact, he played on a lot of my stuff in the 70s, one song in particular, which I'd love for you to play, called 100 Tomorrows. It's interesting. And, and we were talking about that actually off the air here, is, is uh, the connections we all made via uh, Rick Springfield, which you said he loves doing. I mean, he loves connecting people, and that's how you and I actually had met. Um, and then it's interesting that you just brought that up because that's how you met Deborah, like you said, as well. So yeah. it's like fate. I, I don't know if you believe in fate, but, I mean, it's just oh, kind yeah. of interesting. And Deborah's laughing at that, like, ha, 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 bad luck. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Um, <laughs> Deb, chime in here. Talk about that. What was it like going back in time – when you were working with Billy, how, how did uh, let's hear your side of the story, how you met Jeff and how this all intertwined. Hmm. Okay. So I was living in a little town called Horse Cave, Kentucky, and it has about 2,800 people. At least it did back then. I don't know what it's up to now. Probably maybe 2850. I don't, I don't know. But <laughs> um, we had just done a bluegrass album and put that out in 2002. And we were looking for some additional players that would actually be able to go out and play with us on a regular basis. We had a banjo player and that played on the original album, and it just wasn't working out really well. So ideally what we wanted was somebody who could play banjo and then who could also sing. We can't actually remember at this point how we found Billy, or he found us, but somehow we had been asking around, and Billy Ray came to our attention. So we got together with him, and everything just from the first moment that we got together, everything just worked. So he he harmonized with us really well, and the banjo playing complimented everything that we were doing, and um, we decided that he would be a member of the band Soulgrass. So we had just had that album out, 
But now we had a completely different lineup. That was in 2002. And then in 2003, we went back in the studio with a bunch of new songs and just started to record an album. We ended up doing seven songs. And that's what you're going to hear, what I've, I've sent you, actually, those. And I think you're going to play a song or two on the show. That was those original seven songs. And to backtrack, I forgot about putting Jeff into the mix here. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's all about me. (laughs) Sorry. And this morning for breakfast, I had, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So when I first met Billy, he was probably in his 60s. I don't... I don't know. He was somebody that you never really knew his age, and he wouldn't say. Oh, never would say. And so he kept talking about this guy, Jeff, and he wanted to do the next album with Jeff. But we were all in Kentucky. Jeff was in California. So we basically had talked to Jeff on the phone, and there wasn't really going to be a good feasible way economically for us all to work together. So that kind of got set on the back burner, and um, we went into this other studio outside of Nashville with a well-known bluegrass engineer who's recorded some folks like the Dillards and just kind of a who's who in bluegrass music. And then the hope was maybe to get Jeff involved afterwards with mixing and, you know, just kind of fine-tuning some stuff. During that time, I had been married to the guitar player in the band. And that was just not working out. So while all of this stuff was being recorded, we were in the middle of a divorce at that time. And Billy was always trying to be kind of a matchmaker. So he was like, you got to talk to my friend Jeff. And I thought, well, (laughs) man, you know, I mean, he's probably like 70 years old. So I, I, man, I don't need that, you know. (laughs) Yeah. And he was only 65, folks, but go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) So... Um, we just kept, kept talking and, um, I was putting together websites and, and different things. So I would bounce things off of Jeff and, and, um, one day we actually, I think, ended up talking on the phone and I found out that he was at that time, I think he was still 49 because he was saying something about that he was I don't know if he said his 50th year or some, something like I'm that. I'm going to try to get used to the idea of saying 50, just like I'm trying to get used to saying the, the word. <laughs> so I was like, oh, well, he's not 70. <laughs> no, I'm not 70. So. I wasn't. I'm still not. Yeah, he's still I'm not. Way yeah. too close. So um, anyway, we everything just kind of kept going on with the band and eventually just the the story with with Jeff, anyway, was um, I ended up going out to Burbank months months and months down the line to meet up with him. And then after a few visits out there, decided that I would move out to California. Um, wow. Yeah. And then I get out to California and like, I think two and a half years later, he's like, hey, let's move to Nashville. So <laughs> move all the way back here. <laughs> well, there was you left out the fact that we were writing an album during that time too. Yeah, and that's actually part of the introduction period that we had. That we were started mm-hmm. uh, with the first song, and then before you came out, I think we had one or two already written. Yeah. yeah, we we had started to write a couple songs, and then each time I would go out to visit, we'd work on a couple other things. So we we were actually recording every time I went out to visit. That was the. I can't remember. Forget you album that we brought back. Number um, one, and it was it was mainly country, yeah, and it was we thought that maybe we could do better because there was nothing out in L.A. that resembled country on the radio, and it was everybody that was like the Keith Urbans and the modern country pop stuff was where we were headed towards. We thought we would be able to make more of an impression by not just visiting here but being here. Well, we actually when we moved here, we've actually redid a number of the parts on the songs with some Nashville artists and that was sort of our introduction into just a lot of the people that ended up staying with us on a number of our oh, yeah. albums that's awesome mm-hmm. we're gonna have to get you to do us uh something on one of rick's songs jeff has that ever crossed anybody's mind as great as a singer as deborah is 
even a back backup vocal or something. I mean, seriously, that would be something, right? I oh, mean, yeah. he's done country music before. Oh, sure has. Yeah. It would have to so. cross Rick's mind. Ah, all right. <laughs> well, let's up his medication, folks, and then we'll 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 discuss it with him and. Make sure Bindi's on his lap, and we're happy here. Of so. course, we, we missed the whole point of the Billy Ray thing, which yeah, is we where... Well, we were getting to that. Oh, she's getting to that. Yeah, Do you want to continue on? It. So go ahead. So so back to the Soulgrass thing. 18 yeah. years later. Mm-hmm. After I moved to California, I had gotten all of the song files on DVDs and just kind of threw them into the back of my file cabinet. And I just, I didn't want to hear this stuff. I was like, oh, it's done. And so it basically sat in the back of my file cabinet for about 18 years. Hmm. And um, actually in February of 2021, I ended up going back to work part-time for a nonprofit that I used to work for in Kentucky. And the person who is the president of that was my ex-husband, well, is my ex-husband. So we kind of got back into talking again and started talking about the Soulgrass stuff. And, and he said, it's a shame that we never had this finished or released. And I got to interject, Billy Ray had passed away. Yeah. Right before all this reconnect happened. And ah. yeah, he, so he passed was, away in 2000, 2018, actually. So... Um, we, and then you guys connected again. You yeah, realized. and so we had started talking about this, and I thought Jeff had all the files. He thought I had all the files. We couldn't find any of the files, and finally I found them way, way in the back of my file cabinet. So we pulled them out, and we didn't even know if he would be able to open the files and, and load them into Pro Tools. But he was able to do that, and these were just left the way that they were i think probably our last recording was like in july or august of 2003 and nothing had really been mixed or anything it was just just the raw recordings um on the tracks and so he loaded all this stuff up and started listening to it and i hadn't heard any of it for you know for all this time i you know, either. But he was really getting into all of the Dolby Atmos and spatial audio type mixing. And he said, well, you know, this would be really interesting because there there are not a lot of bluegrass albums, if there are if any, out there. Yet. Um, so he said, I, I think this would be really a good project for that. Um, so that's kind of how this came to be. It's just surprising for me to listen to it and even different people have remarked, they, they've said, you guys just sound, everything is just so happy. And, you know, it just sounds <laughs> like you're having a great time. And it and I look back at it and it's like, okay, I was in the middle of a divorce. Um, wow. I don't remember some of the studio sessions because I walked out, you know. <laughs> so it's just, it's just really kind of funny. But when you listen to the songs... They they don't sound like that at all, and so maybe uh, it's an escape for you then. I guess I don't I don't know, but it's just funny because the music just off. sounds it just really sounds good, and um, and we have submitted this into three categories for the, the Grammys, Grammys. Yeah. this year as well. Wow. And we what we decided to do was Billy Ray had such a such a history that we wanted to not only put this out. Because it the music is good, but to honor him and in, in memory of him, he um, we had done a, a radio interview, and that's also part of this. We have seven songs, and then we have a lot of the excerpts from this interview with Billy and the band talking. So um, one of the things that he had said was he always thought that he should be with his first group which was called the Kentucky Colonels, he always thought that they should be a member of the Bluegrass Hall of Fame. Well, in 2019, they actually were inducted into that. Oh, wow. And he, unfortunately, had passed away in 2018. So that was kind of another another thing. And Billy had just such an interesting history. He was one of the first bands on the Andy Griffith Show. Wow. Yeah, and it, it's he wasn't 
With the Darlings, the Darlings were actually the Dillards. But Billy played with the Dillards down down the road. So the first band that was actually on Andy Griffith were the Kentucky Colonels. And they were on, I think, three different episodes. So he actually was on the show. And um, so that's a a good part of his history. And then him playing with the Dillards. Um, But he just, he was such a, an interesting person and very, very talented. So we wanted to just bring all of that to life. And we decided in addition to having the, the CD and the songs that we would put a booklet together. So we have a 12-page booklet. And I will um, try to get a link so you all can see that if you want on the radio show. But it, it's okay. it's really got some nice photos and a lot of good history on, on Billy and and the band. I do want, since we're still early into this, plug your website. So people, while we're listening, not even just during this, but during the Rick show, uh, the whole night, they can go visit your websites, check some stuff out. So whoever wants to go and. Well, it's all about me. So. <laughs> all right, then. So well, I love her. <laughs> all right. I don't really have to say too much. Yeah. So, well, mine is, mine is just DebraLynn.com. It's D-E-B-R-A-L-Y-N.com. And Jeff's is Palette? Palette Music. Mm-hmm. dot com dot com dot com one l two t's one l two t's <laughs> <laughs> and there's a there's actually a a, a a section called dolby atmos if anybody wants to go to that to, to learn more and hear more and best experience is on headphones when you're listening to the spatial audio side of it i'm very passionate about it and I, that's why i really love the idea that that we've did this in Atmos because when you're in the studio here, I had it set up like you're sitting in the round with all these musicians all the way around you, guitar players in the back, uh, mandolin players on the left, Billy's on the right, uh, fiddle players somewhere up above in the, in the God clouds (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, and, uh, and Deb's like center live situations would be like that. There's even one song where the old-fashioned bluegrass bands would play on one mic, and they would step up to the mic and play their solos. And I wanted to emulate that on the first song called Dooley, which was a big hit by the Dillards, you know, in this genre. And uh, and then I, I, I kept it much more immersive and just not a lot of movement. And I think that that represents the live aspect of it more than tricks and gimmicks. And that's... That's good, though. That's the future, though. That's the cool thing is you're introducing people to, hey... Eventually, everyone's going to jump on this bandwagon. Hopefully, you would think they would. And then uh, that's pretty much going to be the future of music, right? I think so. It has to go somewhere because the music business as it stands right now is is, is in a pretty bad shape. Stale. Yeah, yeah. yeah, to say the least. Pretty much the value of music has gone way down because it's been overexposed, and that's really a nice word, by companies like Spotify and you know the freebie places. To me, this whole immersive scenario is happening in film and television a lot. And Apple TV is is right there. TV Plus, HBO, Netflix. I mean, they're all going this Dolby Atmos, which is not unusual for the film business. But when you think about it, and you do a song and you mix it in Dolby Atmos, and somebody really likes the song, which is first and foremost, but then they go, you know what? This happens to be a Dolby mix as well, Dolby Atmos mix, and it can go right into your film. And that, that's got to be an asset at some point in time for the creator. And uh, I think that's why you see a lot of people, at least I do, willing to take a, a, a chance and stick their necks out and maybe do one mix. Uh, an album's quite a commitment because it's a really long process to do this kind of mixing. It's not just like a stereo mix where uh, it's you're mixing three four different mixes in one mix it's really literally because of the expansion and the contraction so speak there are so many different uh files that you have to make and they all have to work together they don't work separately they're not like you're making separate it was one mix has to be good in all these different formats so it it, it can be really uh time consuming right now and i think the workflow will get better as time goes but uh uh, I think that that's going to be where music is going to bring its value back to the consumer because they're going to, there's going to be an experience involved with it. You're going to put on these phones and you, you're going to feel it. You're going to you're going to dive right into the band, and I think that that hopefully will be an asset for all of us. 
And That's for cool. the idea of licensing for film and television, which you can make a lot of residual income on, um, and start getting money flow back into the uh, creative process again, because it's, it's, it's always reinvesting. I'm blown away that vinyl has made such a huge comeback. And, and, and I don't know if we've discussed this before, either one of you, uh, the whole 180 grams. Uh, somebody explain it to me. Why is that such a big deal? Because record albums now average 25 on up. Uh, I saw, I was in an FYE store, the Hamilton soundtrack, $101 for the vinyl. And that blows my mind because I'm like, I don't remember spending that kind of money, not even on CDs, man. But what is the whole 180 grams vinyl? Whoever wants to chime in on that. I, I don't know what the 180 grams, I'm sure it's to do with the thickness. And, you know, in the mastering labs, the louder you want your mix, the deeper the grooves have to be. And if you have a long album going to make your grooves much smaller and therefore you're not going to get the, the headroom hmm. Quite, I, I personally don't see the infatuation of going backwards i really don't I, i'm waiting for the a tracks to come back <laughs> <laughs> bring back those 78 records folks come on man <laughs> I, I mean I, I get it i see the value but i also see where we can sell our album now with people wanting to have atmos mixes and we're averaging about 18 dollars uh, twenty-one to twenty-three dollars for a, an album, um, and that's buying the raw files. Yeah. So if we're in the same general ballpark, it just you know there's a certain group of people that want that, and that's wonderful. Uh, and I think you're going to find the same small group of people that want the immersive, and hopefully we'll be right. able to turn this around. But the wonderful thing about immersive, and above all of these different formats, is it can now be streamed through your telephone. It could be streamed, but you don't need any hardware. You can actually, you don't even have to go out and buy anything other than if you want to experience Apple's spatial audio, which I'm not a big fan of myself. Uh, I like building my own 3D binaural spatial audio files and letting any pair of headphones work instead of having to spend 250 to 500 bucks on a pair of phones. So, but the bottom line is that it all can be streamed now. And that's where 5.1 failed many years ago. Not for film, but it failed for music. I was deep into that as well back then, but there were too many hardware restrictions and too many people going, why? And uh, now everybody's got a phone. And if you've got a phone that's modern, an updated system. It's a mini computer. Yep. Mm -hmm. I'm actually streaming right out of my computer right now of 714, which is Atmos. And it's going right to my speakers in my studio. And that's just anybody could do that if they had a you know, an updated computer and phone, whether it be Mac or, or uh, Android. So we're in a whole new world. And I think that yeah. that's why I'm so excited to say that we're, we're, the consumer is in store for some really good experiences with music. There's cars that are coming out with that most now, like, like Mercedes Benz and uh, wow. the higher end. But over time, you're going to see regular cars, you know, the, the affordable ones. You know? uh, Eventually. If, if there yeah. are such a thing now. And um, that are going to be incorporating Atmos in their sound systems instead of just a just a, a very loud stereo system. I need me a Mercedes Benz, please. <laughs> Folks, please go to the website, <laughs> buy her album, 880 grams or not. Okay, just go ahead and buy that. Her grooves are just as good as anybody else's, folks. So. <laughs> All right. Um, all right. So move along. So we got your websites there. We we talked uh, now some of the more recent artists. Obviously, you've, you've got Deborah. You've been working with here. You've worked with a lot of big names in the past as well, Jeff. But you've got some current artists as well. But please wow us with some of the people in the past. That Rick Springfield guy, obviously. Um, you've done stuff with the one that blew my mind years ago. We talked about this after his passing was Prince. Yes. You had done something with Prince. What what did you do with Prince? I did some mastering, actually. I was uh, signed to Motown as a Motown writer for about four years, about 88 to 92. And I met Barry Gordy and worked with his sons. And Carrie was one of them. that always would love to come to the studio and work and love the vibe and love the sound. And he and I became, as like his father, he, he was great at getting teams of people together and keeping them together, keeping them very, he was very loyal. So... He bounced around a little bit, and he eventually ended up um, head of A&R at uh, Paisley Park. And, of course, that came along with doing sessions at the studio with some of the acts that were signed there, including Prince and uh, Rosie Gaines, uh, some of the other acts that were signed there. And, you know, it was a really wonderful thing to be able to say that, you know, I, I worked on it. I didn't 
Prince wasn't in the room, but it was his song. And it's just a good vibe. And then he went over to Warner Brother Black Division. And I think there were quite a few uh, name acts that came through. Um, there's so many things on my discography. I can't even think about it. But so many great people. Like I'm very proud to have worked on uh, oh, Barbara Streisand, for one. Uh, let's see, David Cassidy. Oh, wow. Huh? David Cassidy. David Cassidy. That's what I just yeah. said. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I think uh, I love you. Y- yeah, yeah, yeah. Aww. And Thanks, actually, we did, we redid that one. And- <laughs> you know what, though? Speaking of Gordy, um, you're familiar with Kennedy Gordy, right? Who? How many people are familiar with Kennedy Gordy? I don't know that. So that is Barry Gordy's son. And here's the thing. Because he didn't want favoritism from his dad, he used a different name. <laughs> and because a certain famous Jackson's brother was married to uh, into the family... They got Michael to sing background on Somebody's Watching Me. The guy's name was Rockwell. That was Barry Gordy's son. Hmm. Yeah. Did you know that? Do you know the song Somebody's Watching Me? Always yeah, feel yeah. like somebody's watching. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So that's how they got Michael on it. And then that's how huh. they actually got the song out there without any favoritism. He didn't want any backing from his dad at all. So he hid it from Barry and toured it until it became a big hit. Just useless trivia I'm throwing out there because you mentioned Barry Gordy. It was just the one thing that I thought was the coolest. Yeah. And then he never went anywhere after that. But he proved I didn't need my dad. You know what I mean? So right. cool Very stuff. Cool. Sorry, yeah. folks. No, it's okay. <sighs> no. And it's cool you got some roots with Motown because obviously that, that adds a lot to a resume, man. I mean, a lot of people wouldn't have even placed that, honestly. So that's why it's cool that we talked about this. I've known about it, obviously, from previous conversations. So I'm glad you brought that up, though. Um, I do want people to check out both, you know, you and Deborah. Obviously, I want to talk about your the histories. I want people to read up a little bit more about that and show some appreciation. My big thing with you was was the connection, obviously, with um, Kevin Riley. I mean, we'll yeah, bring right. that up because I have a lot of new re- uh, listeners. Yeah, uh, Cleveland guy from the Michael Stanley Band. And then it turns out after um, Jeff and I had already known each other for years that I was going through – I think I was just going through some old CDs and I found – Jeff Silverman's name on Anyone with a Heart. Uh, and that goes 88, 89? Mm-hmm. I think you're and, right. And then, uh, yeah, I didn't Early realize 90s, that. Yeah. So I, I I met Kevin Riley back when I worked radio in Cleveland. And then here I am talking with his, you know, the producer of one of his, or actually a, a few songs on an album. Um, and I thought that was the coolest thing, Jeff. I just think, I think it's cool how things circle sometimes like that. That's just one of them I wanted to bring up. I thought that was... Uh, still, it makes me smile thinking about that, man, because I'm like, God, I was just a young kid working radio, and then all these years later, I would meet the guy who produced uh, that that song, so it was pretty cool, man. Uh, Thank you, buddy. Great. I appreciate that. Well, uh, thanks, man. Uh, the, uh, another person <laughs> that came from Kerry was uh, George Clinton, who I, I didn't know much about until afterwards. I just knew that everybody was using his loops at that point. He was getting oh, yeah. ripped off a lot, because and that... Actually, the guy at Motown who was head of the publishing company, Lester Sill, was responsible for cracking down on a lot of the people that were stealing and getting credit for, you know, the writer-publisher royalties and residual income that came from that. It was another one. There's also Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark. Oh, yeah, OMD. Uh, God, if you leave. Yeah, awesome. I, work, I worked with them quite a bit and uh, actually went to um, do a project with them uh, in Wales we started a small studio and didn't quite work out, but it was a great experience. That's all right. You got to work with whales, at least. That's an awesome thing, dude. Uh, Jewel uh, Shear is another one that I worked on. Uh, Almond Brothers Band, worked with them, um, singing. And there's a lot of studio stuff. I mean, I have it all. I'm looking at my web <laughs> discography because I can't think of any of these people when I'm talking. That's all right. But it, it, there was some really great days in uh, doing a lot of session work, too, with with people and but back to Motown, Rick and I uh, wrote a lot of songs that weren't necessarily for his artist career, and he had an affinity for R&B music. So uh, we had several songs that, uh, you know, R&B singers or come in and do the vocals, some of the best around and uh, at that time. And it, it, they still sounded like Rick Springfield songs, but they were really interesting to see how they could translate the soul that, you know, that, that, that we both had together. We wanted to convey in the energy of the rock that meets the soul was really an interesting collaboration. Well, one of the songs, uh, I don't know if you had, I don't think you had anything to do with it, but you just mentioned that and bringing in people was Randy Crawford uh, when he did uh, Taxi Dancing. 
Mm-hmm. And I know that song had been done by a couple of different people, but Randy Crawford was the one that actually uh, on the hard was it yeah the hard to hold soundtrack Taxi Dancing, um, and she brought a lot of soul into that. And he's actually got quite a few songs out there that's got a lot of, of soul to it. I think um, he, he's mm-hmm. branched out a lot, man. I mean the the whole country thing years ago. What um, was that? Rocket Science. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. Where you and I were talking about the was it the ganjo, the use of the ganjo, mm-hmm. which I didn't know what that that was even a real thing until you mentioned right. it. Um, Mayhem, uh, Miss Mayhem, I think was the song, and I was like, "What the hell's this?" I'm like, but it, it took off because I was like, "This is not Rick Springfield music," but man, the guy's experimenting. So sorry, just chiming in there because I'm trying to tie it all together. It was a great time to experiment, and there was definitely. Uh, I mean, he had some people here in Nashville mix it, which was really a smart move. Um, it's still to me, uh, country pop has really gotten so pop. I really can't tell the difference. Matter of fact, I sent him something the other day, and I said, "This is country. This is on the rotation." He went, "What?" <laughs> it really sounds like R and B pop. But you've got, you know, with some guy singing with a twang, or a girl singing, a woman singing with a twang. And now I'm not yeah. hearing much twang either. It's really interesting. It's, yeah, you're right though, because I did see a commercial like for the Country Music Awards, and they were just showing highlights of it. And I'm like, this is not. The the George Jones and and the Roy Clark and all the stuff that I remember when my mom used to watch that stuff, and then eventually you know the Dolly Partons even, and now all of a sudden it's just more rock. I mean, it sounds mm-hmm. more rock, and I don't know I don't know who we blame for that. I guess I, I want to say Garth Brooks kind of got you know kicked it off there, but maybe <laughs> it goes back a little bit more than that. I, like I found an old album that uh, I had forgotten Linda Ronstadt was a part of with Dolly Parton and Emmy Lou Harris. Yeah, the trio. And I, yeah. Yeah, I uh-huh. completely forgot about them yeah. until I saw that. I'm like, wow. Because, um, again, Linda Ronstadt, to me, was, was rock. Dolly was country. But I completely forgot about Emmylou Harris. I don't even know. Is she still around? I don't even know where she is. Is she? Who? Emmylou? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. She is. I, I'd never hear. Okay. Yeah, she is. I think they did um, maybe two albums with the trio, actually. Okay. Yeah. It's old stuff, though, right? It was like 70s, wasn't it? No. Or maybe the picture on the album looked like it was 70s. So yeah, they, they were dressed older, but we, we actually did some of their songs. It was like, well, it was early 80s, actually. So, was it? Okay. Yeah, because we did some of the songs in um, one of the bands I was in, in New York. That's good stuff, though. Yeah. I I, uh, I just completely, I was blurting that out because I completely forgot about them. We were talking about country music that mm-hmm. just popped in my head. Sorry, yeah. folks. <sighs> okay. By the way, speaking of country, if you hear any snoring, it's our dog. I did. I was going to mention that earlier, but I thought, well, maybe it's the goldfish. I didn't know. So I, I heard that in the background. I thought, well, maybe it's his tummy. But no, they had microwave, a microwave moment earlier on. So yeah, we do need to say that the Soulgrass stuff is not available for sale except on immersiveaudioalbum.com. Um, There's a reason for that, too. And that's just, yeah, the reason for that is because we decided to enter this in the Grammys this year. But what we wanted to do is try to see if we can get maybe a little bluegrass or folk label interested in putting that out for us because it's it's just so difficult as an independent product to to really get much traction and we feel like maybe if we can get somebody interested in it they could actually get it out and push it forward and then that helps um basically helps me it helps dave who is the guitar player in the band he's actually a singer songwriter as well so you know it brings people back to both of us and there's anything you need for any of us to to vote you know any websites anything like that to help you guys out as well please uh let us know plug it um remember joe taylor uh we've had on our Mm -hmm. show he's uh in the running, uh, Taylor Ross, f- to perform at the Hollywood Bowl. Um, so we're, we're helping plug them along, too. So That's anything great. we can do to help you guys, especially, I mean, Grammys, anything, Thank please you. let us know. Post it. Anything, anything. Uh, my show is your show. I've said that to you guys over the years. So please keep that in mind. Yeah, there's not on this on this one. We, we appreciate it. But even Grammy members can't can't vote on the Soulgrass stuff. Yeah, they're called Craft Oh. Yeah, and if you want to put on a song that's like classically me, you can use "Twist the Knife." Oh, that that <laughs> twist, twist the, the knife. knife. Yeah, that's, I'm, it starts I'm writing out, this down. Yeah, that's it starts out with an acapella beat. that we actually have on "A Cold Wind Blows," and this was the original 
version, actually, that I had always envisioned was that it would go from this acapella into Twist the Knife. And then when we did A Cold Wind Blows many, many years later, uh, Dave, or Jeff was not a fan of uh, Twist the Knife. <laughs> So, it's a little dark. Why? Yeah, no. uh, well, that's what he said. It's just a little dark. But um, we actually <laughs> used the first part of it on a cold wind blows. So this kind of which is pretty dark bluegrass, folks. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. With a smile. Yeah, Talk about people dying with a smile. Ties it Feel all good. together. Hey, this feels great. Yeah, and it actually it is it, it's, <laughs> guy it is funny jumped because, off the cliff and he died. Yeah, it's it's funny because it just sort of bops along and it's you know it's really like this kind of angry song, but it's just bopping along, you know. <laughs> Songs to kill people by, folks. You're gonna yeah. love this. Yes, yeah. that's mm-hmm. awesome. Twist the knife. <laughs> Twist the knife. So you can but dance with a weapon. But when you think about it, you know, it's it, Billy Ray turned me on to bluegrass, and which was a lifesaver when I ended up getting the audition with the. Uh, Roger Miller, who I played with for about a year, and uh, I had to take a guy's place by the name of Danny Gatton. If you ever want to look him up, he's just you know a guitar god. And I'm sitting here going, "There's no way I'm going to be able to play a Foggy Mountain Breakdown uh, Orange Blossom Special." So Billy came over two days before the audition and taught me how to fake my way through it, <laughs> and I actually got the gig. But the most important thing is he he taught me, he showed me some of the best pickers and and the sort of the philosophy behind playing it how you play a little bit ahead of the beat versus behind or on it and then um you know when you look back in the history of uh american music it came from the celt to the bluegrass and uh, it, there's similarities to uh music today there's things that are all influences of other things even if you call it pop you know when you hear mm-hmm. like what rick did just bringing in some instruments that were really uh old in in the sense of uh, where they der- where we derive from, and uh, putting it in a modern scenario, so uh, you know I think that there's a lot to be said for opening the mind up to this type of music. You may not like it, but it it has a lot of history behind it, and it's certainly you can't negate the fact that there are some of the best musicians in the world playing on it. And I think there's some great songwriting on there, including what Deb wrote. So. Well, and and Soulgrass too. We we weren't traditional. Um, I actually played electric bass in the band, so that already knocked us right out for being anything traditional. But um, we did a lot of things, like we did Give Me Some Lovin', we did a Jackson 5 song, um, you'll hear Higher and Higher on this batch of songs. So we were really about the type of things that you wouldn't expect a bluegrass band to play. That's awesome, mm-hmm. uh, and, and give me some love and God. I forgot. It. Yeah, you mm-hmm. you did that uh, a couple years ago. Is that that's actually pre-COVID as well, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. God, yeah. so much time has gone by. God, you, you, I'm just having flashbacks of some of the stuff that you guys had sent me over the yeah. years, and it's amazing how much time's gone by. It's like COVID. We all blacked out, woke up, and here we are. Right. So um, that's incredible. Like that hooker. I don't remember her, but either way, <laughs> my wallet does. But that's about it. So. Um, okay. <laughs> and what a way to end the show. <laughs> what a way to end the show. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're looking for a discount hooker, go look up Julio, the pimp. Um, <laughs> no, uh, no, let's move right along here, though. So um, getting back to Rick Springfield stuff, or again, if there's anything else you want to talk about, please, let's cover this now. I, yeah, I don't I'd just like to say it. that one of the realizations that I had when I first met Rick uh, back in 1976, I'll go back to the family tree as far as a place called the Music Contact Service, and that was a great place where people would advertise themselves and say a guitar player looking for band or bands. They were saying bands are looking for guitar players or blah blah blah. There was an ad for this guy Rick Springfield. I went, I, I have no idea who he is, but it sounds like a cool situation. He's signed, and I I went out to Tower Records that night and bought a bunch of his records just the night before the uh, audition. And I think at that point it was just waiting for wait for night. I think that's what it's called. Wait till night. Wait for night. I don't. I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> wait for the night. Yeah, yeah. He's hey, hey, kid, no. Uh, so it's okay, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> wait. Hey, talk more about that Rick Springsteen guy. Huh? <laughs> oh, it hurts when I pee. Go ahead, Jeff. <laughs> I, sorry that that hit home. Uh, so. Uh, so, you know, it was really fascinating to watch his reaction. I, I, I liked the music. I was never really, 
I never really done anything in that genre, especially he was doing a lot of concerts at that point that were, you know, huge arenas, even though he was opening act. He was just, he was connected. And through that connection, I can just say that pretty much anybody that knows me and I know them, we have less than about a three degree of separation because of Rick. You and I have a three degree of separation. I can name several other people that are, are have come from the Rick family, especially after he and I had the From the Vault album out together that brought, and I'm still getting... Great album, by the way, folks. Oh, thank you. That Dude, was, no, that, seriously. We, we talk about this all the time. It's an underappreciated album because it was never released here in the U.S., and if people want to buy it here, it's, they're getting charged through the nose from hmm. some from third-rate schmo out there on the yeah, internet. No, I agree. Um, but From the Vault, if you can find it, folks, it's 13 songs, not the basic 10, but there's 13 of them on there. One of them, uh, the Hey Eileen that we talked about, about Rick's mom, perfect song. Uh, Somewhere, another one that's had history, My Depression, um, Love Receiver. He's done a few mixes of that, but that, there's just a lot of good stuff on that album. So I'll just plug that real quick since we're talking about it. From the Vault is awesome. We'll be playing some of that stuff. That came out, dude, that came out in 2010, 2010. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So some time has gone by. And that's sort of right around the time when we met, I believe. It was a good time. Oh, you and I? Yeah. Somewhere no, around we there. met uh, 13, 14, 2013, 14. <clears throat> no, that's yep. somewhere around there. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's all right, folks. Deb, remember, <laughs> medication mind is time. a terrible yes. thing to lose. <laughs> yeah. It's okay, Jeff. It's okay, buddy. It's okay. Like I said, you know, it's a little, it's a little difficult here. I'm hearing clicking noise. Is, is somebody clicking a pen? Oh, yeah, I was. Sorry. <laughs> Dude, come on. I was getting nervous. You should know better. My God. <laughs> Professional radio here, folks. Do not try this at home. I'm like, what is that clicking noise? Well, I feel right it's at like home a pen- I, I thought you had like a pendulum going or something. All right, any minute now, something's going to drop here. <laughs> you had well, me nervous very there sleepy. for a second. So the bend was going no, fast. No, no, no. Well, it's, it's going back to the twist the knife thing, I think, is what it was. So we're fine. Somebody's as long as she doesn't know where you knife. sleep at. <laughs> yeah, twisting the knife away. Come on. All right, sorry. <laughs> All right. So anyways, yeah, so From the Vault, as I mentioned, great album. We're going to play several songs from that because it is a rarity, even though some of these songs Rick had done, and correct me, Jeff, previously to From the Vault, but then he had also redone them after. Yes or no? He redid. Uh, pass that by me again. What was the question again? Okay. Um, if a train's leaving New York with 3,000 <laughs> pounds of bluefish on it, no. Uh, some of the songs on here <laughs> he had done previously from the vault, uh-huh. and for whatever reason, I think maybe you, you redid them, uh, and then he also had done some after, and maybe I'm wrong. No, like Love Receiver, oh, I know he's I done three versions of it. Well, I mean, when we collected all the songs, they were all from a certain time frame. Um, okay, th- But okay. they were within a 10-year period. So it's, it's hard okay. to say what was part of it, but we didn't record anything that was specifically for that album. And a matter of fact, I wanted to get back into remixing some of those, and then we both decided that it really would it would defeat the purpose because there was a sound back then, and uh, so we agreed that mastering would be the way to go. And I, it really was. I mean, it had a, it had a great sound to it, and I didn't want to destroy it. And although it could have made it better in some respects, but it wouldn't have preserved the historical aspect of it. Although we weren't thinking historical at that time. Quickly refresh us. Why was it never released here in the United States? Was it Frontiers that it's released on, or no? Am I wrong? It was. It was Rick. It was Rick, and his manager just didn't want to have it in in anywhere. They had another album out at that time, and I think they felt it was going to be a conflict of interest to have both albums out at the same time. God, okay. I thought it was somebody else, but go ahead. No, it it was a business decision on their end. Frontiers wanted it for the world, and ironically enough, that led to a two album deal with Frontiers. With From the Vault, and I'm trying to think of the name of the album that was that went along with that. It took 20 years to come to a decision to say, let's bring this back. Uh, luckily, I save all my stuff, and I put you know all my dats in safe places, and was able to restore all that and get it back to life again. And we're both pleased that we thought it was a great album to to put out. And some of the things were never heard before, and some of the things might have been on another album, but they were mastered in a different way. Everything was original in one respect or another. Cool, Leo. I'm going to throw something at you, Deborah, that we never had asked you before. Oh, she did the graphic oh, design on that, too. On what? On, on From, from the, the Vault. 
Yeah, I did the, no book, kidding. the booklet. Yeah, it's like, I, man, there are just a whole lot of words to try to fit on that booklet. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> That's cool, and, yeah. and I, I remember it's a it's a green cover, right? Am I? It's, I don't have it in front of me. I'm just trying to remember what yeah. it was. It's kind of yeah, greens and blues, and it's a big picture of a vault. Yeah, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yep. How weird of that would have been if you had Cookie Monster on there right? yes. yeah, from the vault <laughs> or Jeff Animal and Rick, and here's Cookie Monster right. Animal. Yes. Animal. Ah, ha, ha. Ah. Okay. <laughs> hey, Deborah. Yeah. Throw you on the spot here. If okay. you had the opportunity with Rick's blessing. To cover any one of his songs, what would it be and, and, and why? Any one. Well, I could tell you what it wouldn't be. Because <laughs> it's been Gee, played. Je- Jesse's Girl, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although, you know, that could work because Jesse, I don't know. All right. We won't, ta- we won't, both, yeah. we won't take that off the table. <laughs> much, much like my neighbor goes both ways. All right, go ahead. No, you're fine. Um, let's see. <laughs> what is the one about the on from the vault that was the religious man? I can't remember. Oh, religion that. of oh, the heart. Um, I can't remember. What religion is of the heart. That's one. Yeah, religion of the heart. Yeah, yeah. 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 But we I don't talked about that. Yeah, one we time. actually talked about that, but I don't know if the words lend itself to um, a female vocalist. Actually, so hmm. there's just something about it that I that I liked. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's that's an interesting choice. A lot of people don't uh, aren't unless you're diehards aren't aware of that song. I mean, mm-hmm. we're going to play that obviously tonight, but mm-hmm. uh, that's very cool. That's, that's, that's one a of good my favorite too, man. Mm-hmm. I remember that like really it was yesterday. Yeah. I remember I had the music sort of mapped out and no lyric and and melody, and we worked on it in the studio for a while, and then he came back and the lyrics were all written. It was just great. It just it just blossomed. It was a great collaboration. Um, I was going to ask you if you had a particular favorite uh, song from the vault that you enjoyed. No, I'd have to say it's probably that one. Uh, really? Okay. That's just something timeless about it. I think that's the best word I can think of. Yeah. Good choice. Good choice. Yeah. Obviously. I mean, if you both agree, it's like you two know each other. How weird is that? <laughs> yeah. No. Have you two met, by the way? Okay. Um all right, moving along here, Jeff. I do want to talk about this also, though we we had just discussed this obviously in the back, uh, the past. There, Temptation Eyes, which I'm going to play tonight as well. The story behind Temptation Eyes. I had a production deal basically with Sound City, which is the same people that brought Rick back, Joe Gottfried and and Tom Skeeter and that whole Sound City crew and that whole magic around that time. And I I was in the studio recording quite a lot of songs, and I of course I think I might have mentioned this, but I don't really like having to play the same songs, the same type of songs. I get really kind of bored of that. And I saw I was doing all different things, jazz, country. And it it pretty much was more of a journey to figure out what it was I wanted to be when I grew up, which was not to be an artist. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) we we gave it a good shot. And, you know, it just didn't seem to be sticking, although that didn't stop me from continuing to try. But we felt that when Bill and I talked, we needed to have a cover song. And there were two 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 songs that really hit the spot for me, and at that time, and it was Temptation Eyes and Groovin. And um, so I have a version of that as well somewhere. And you know, it just always helps to have something sort of like what Debbie did with Soulgrass. It's a you know there there's a there's a magic if you can come up with an arrangement. And we did this a lot on her Blue, Blue Sun Rises album, where we were doing a lot of re- new versions of some Celtic traditional. Uh, public domain songs if you can do them in a way that's different it's worth it to re-release it if it's just a copy it doesn't make sense so true it was a it was a challenge and um i think we came up with something that sounded you know unique and we thought maybe that would open up a door or two which it didn't but the, you know i have them as my uh my grammys of that year they're my they're my awards from all that stuff that we did back then. And and again, 100 Tomorrows got a lot of great reaction, uh, commercially speaking. And it was that, ironically enough, pop mixed with banjos, which is really what's happening now with Keith Urban, and that, that whole country pop movement. So I, I think we were, in a lot of ways, ahead of our time 
you know, and there was some country stuff that was a little bit more traditional, but it it wasn't really where my 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 heart was at. I think it was more in the into the pop rock thing or jazz fusion at that time, which I grew out of very quickly because it was just boring to play leads all the time for twenty minutes. <laughs> you know, I guess like, how, how much can you say without repeating yourself? And uh, it just was boring. It was too cerebral. I, I love I love things that just make your whole body rock, and it just that that's why the R and B thing really stuck with me too, because I was always a Stevie Wonder fan, and uh, you know, and a lot of that soul is in a lot of Rick stuff. I think you, we talked about that that feeling of you know the groove is just infectious. You know, it's it's not all pop and and you know it's not all Bob till you drop, so to speak. Uh, you know what else is infectious? <laughs> 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 was I doing it again? Oh my yes. God! Give That's that right, to dude. Me. Jesus. <laughs> Are you guys in the same room? Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, and Deborah hasn't thrown her shoe yet. That's I amazing, have the so. pen in my hand now. Uh-oh. It's like chewing Twist gum. I'm sorry. I get nervous and I start. <laughs> no, you're cool, man. You're gonna get everybody <laughs> on. listening right now. Let's all just click a pen together, folks. Ladies and gentlemen, here we go. One, two, Clicking three. with the Silvermans. Okay, <laughs> all right. One, two. No, sorry. Yeah. God. <laughs> See, people are going to start doing that at concerts. Instead of holding up their phones or lighters, they're just going to hold up pens and start clicking them. So, <laughs> Sorry and it's going to be your that. fault, Jeff. Yes, I never claim though. to be perfect. <laughs> no, that's okay, my friend. Um, so we we've talked a lot about what you guys are doing now. Uh, some of the stuff that Rick obviously is there. Any newer stuff that you can privy to tell us that Rick's working on that you're working on? He's been on sort of the road thing lately. Uh, I worked with Matt Bissonette on a project of his, which was a lot of fun. That's good. Um, he, yeah, he's back out on tour. He's actually doing, uh, while we're doing this show, actually, he's out there with John Waite and uh, Men at Work. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've been out there doing that. And, and people, uh, I think it started August the 2nd, actually. So uh, he's out there doing that. I don't know when. I think it ends like sometime in September. It's just a brief tour, but it's cool that he's getting out there and doing that. I saw that Rick, uh, John and Minute Work were doing some stuff outside of Rick, and then there's Rick added in there. Oh, yeah. I wanted to, to say, too, because a lot of, well, I think a number of your listeners um, also were familiar with the Bay City Rollers and Eric, oh, yeah. Eric Faulkner. And um, I've been fortunate to have run into, I, I guess she handles his social media and different things, but I had sent, wanted to send Eric some of my music and I had found a website online. So I thought, oh, what the heck? I'm just going to send an email. And I got some form response back and um, like about three weeks or a month goes by and this person writes me back and she says, well, you know, you could send like a a song or two if you want to. And I have a little radio show, so, you know, I could probably put something on that. So I thought, well, I'm not going to send a song or two. I've got albums. So I sent her one or two albums. I think like the first show that I was on, she said, well, I I listened to this stuff. I really didn't think I was going to think much about this because she thought I was just some roller fan and she was already ready to just throw it back in the drawer. And she said, I really like this. So that uh-huh. that was like, I guess, two years ago. And she has now all of the music. And I'm fortunate to have most most Sundays, they have a show that's live and it's broadcast um, around the world called the Sunday Gathering. And so I'm actually fortunate to be on that pretty much every Sunday. So when the whole war in Ukraine came about, Eric wanted to do something to try to benefit the folks over there. So he had pulled together a bunch of the people that he knew and decided to create an album called Peace for Ukraine. And One Voice is actually my my only positive song. One Voice is actually on um, Peace for Ukraine. And I can pop a link up for that because that's that's still, yeah, that's still available. And, um, you know, hopefully... Some of the money that, well, all of the money that's generated from that goes to help the folks there. Yeah. yeah. I, and I think people have kind of, uh, 
it, it's sad, but at least here in the United States, it's like, uh, you know, the war in Ukraine started back in March, and as yeah. time's gone on, other things have happened, mm-hmm. and people have kind of forgotten about it. But my, you know, to me, one of the biggest things, and I, and I played this on my show, was, uh, and I don't know if you knew about this, was Julian Lennon mm. saying he would never cover his father's song, Imagine, right. it would mm-hmm. be the end of the world before he would right. do that. Yeah. And he felt this was the end of the world, yeah. and he did it to benefit Ukraine. Yeah. And I thought that was the, and he did a, fun, I don't know if you heard it or not, but oh, I'm like, yeah. my God, he sounds, yeah. he sounds so much like his dad. Even going back to Valat and, uh-huh. and Too Late for Goodbyes, oh, yeah. he sounds so much like his dad. And I'm like, this is just good stuff. Nothing against Sean, but but Julian is just a, a phenomenal artist. I don't know yeah. if either one of you have ever worked with him or not, but but he's no. just a all around good guy. So I saw want to plug him. that for you. Yeah, I saw him actually when he when he had Valad out and uh, just went up to it was some place he was playing in upstate New York and saw him. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, really good stuff there, mm-hmm. and, and sad about Ukraine. I'm glad you you were able to do something, yeah. and, and Eric as well, and. Mm-hmm. It's sad. People need to remember that that's happening out there as well. We get so consumed by why the politics and the garbage that's happening yeah. here, and we we bitch and moan about our own problems that we got. You know, people forget about what's going on over there, man. That's just insane. Yeah, um, I can't even imagine. Not, not to get political, folks, but you know, please remember what's going on over there. If you can help out, obviously that's a big thing too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry about is it, that. Is it still get going my on? Pedestal. Is the is the yeah. Uh, no, 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 I know that's not. <laughs> oh. No, is no, the he, campaign he still going the, on for uh, donations or is it Yeah, still- the the um album Peace for Ukraine, you can basically donate and get a copy of it and it's up to something like 30 songs or something now. Wow. It's it's crazy, but I'll I know they're and It's all free. I know they're going to be um and it doesn't matter what the donation is. Right. It do, Yeah, it doesn't matter what the donation is. I, I know they're planning on taking it down, but I believe it's still, I'll, I'll double check, but I believe it's still up because as of last Sunday, they were still advertising it. Yeah, and feel uh, free to post it uh, on, on the webpage here yeah, tonight. Well, you know, while people are listening, they can okay. check that out. I know we're doing our Save Our Strays thing as well Yeah. Uh, I, for Rick's birthday. But yeah, anything people could do, man, obviously, that helps. I gave to Save Strays last year. Did you? You're I awesome. did. Deb. I did. Yeah. What a good person. I noticed Jeff didn't chime in. Thanks, Jeff. That's good. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking no, of something you. to say. I can't multitask. That's okay, I was just going to say, the song Give is... Give me his pen back. <laughs> <laughs> no. There's also a, a, a new category in the Grammys, and it's all about this sort of song. Uh, okay. Do you remember what the category is called again? Something it's, about social justice. Right. We're going to enter into that. It's uh hasn't been opened up for submissions yet, but uh, it just feels like it, we have to do that. It's not a matter of winning or not. It's just a matter of we yeah. make a statement and let's get it out there and, and anywhere we can. Um, that makes sense. That's, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Any info you guys have, I mean, uh, during the show tonight, please post it on the Roddy Round Radio chat. All your links. I mean, everything we can do to stay connected to you guys as well. Like I said, I'm nice. sorry it's been a while since we've actually had you guys on here. And uh, oh, the cool thing is, is, it's no, I, well, I appreciate you accepting. I mean, you guys got are you busy? I know you got a lot of stuff going on out there. Like I said, you've been very busy. That's why I, I, I started this off with, hey, you know, COVID. What you been doing? So because uh, a lot of people shut down, man, they really did. Mm-hmm. And I, actually, I think everyone did at the beginning. But like you said, then you just started, yeah, you know, why, why can't we continue? So that's the big thing, man. That's the cool thing. Uh, and, and keep an artist out there. Of course, you know, now everything's pretty much open again. But this should be a reminder, folks, anytime, not to be negative, but at any time, man, things can happen. So, um, you know, support your artist out there, obviously, you know, stay away from those free sites. You know, you mentioned that at the beginning as well with uh, Spotify and all them. I don't know who all is out there that... It does that, but it, it's no fixing it. There just has to be something else to, to win over it. No, look at Napster. You yeah. know, that went yes, by exactly. It right. took it took Metallica to do that, right? So right. I don't know if you guys remember that. When Metallica stepped up, all of a sudden Napster went bye byes. So mm. oh, I think they're still out there, but they're not uh, the free base that they were. Yeah. Sorry, I said free base. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in the business for so long. I've seen it for the most part always lean towards the difficult side and the bad side. How 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 complicated it is and how 
you know, negative it is. And there are always more excuses to give up than there are to stay in. And I just, I've always refused to buy into that. And, you know, sometimes you feel like you're, you're going to lose your mind sometimes when the phone's never going to ring or you're never going to get that next break. But, you know, if you just hang in there and keep plowing away and keep productive, and that means anybody. It says creativity does not have to mean you write a song or play a guitar or anything. It's just the way of life. It's just you're thinking of creative ways to get through. How many people just use their creative juices to get through COVID? My God. Look how many people yeah. learned how to use Zoom that never learned how to even manipulate a computer. And now they're, they're at work from home. This is all creative yep. stuff. And I think if we, if we utilize that side of the brain, you'll always find a way to survive and be happy, at least happier than you are by, by leaning towards the negative. You know? And it, sometimes you have to put the blinders on, too, and, uh, yeah. because it hurts. But, you know, it's... Uh, I will not say what you think I'm going to say. No pain, no gain. I said it. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> thought you were going somewhere else with that. But that's okay. I thought that's you were going to say it's going to be huge. I knew a lot of people. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> Never mind. We won't touch that. You know what I was talking about, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. All right. So, all right. As we get set to wrap things up here, only because it's been two and a half hours, Jeff. Um, nice. We're going <laughs> to. No, you're cool. Like, Anything that I have not talked about you guys want to plug? I know I keep asking. I just want to make sure because some, some things do keep popping up here that, oh, yeah, we forgot. What have we not talked about that I could mention on here? Well, I think we covered a lot. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I feel Why like... your dog snores? Let's talk about that, Jeff. <laughs> what diet is that dog on right now? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> she is a seafood diet. She sees food. She sees food. Ah. <laughs> you guys nah, got awesome happy. puppies. She's happy. She's fat, but she's happy. <laughs> Aw, yeah, uh, sounds like me. Thank you so much. Uh, and me. Um, all right, let me see what we can do real quick here. Anything with Rick you want to plug? Anybody? Bueller? You know. That we could talk about? I asked you about future stuff or there's anything he's doing now besides the tour. He's not doing any recording, obviously. I don't know of any. I think other than the Jesse's Girl thing, which I knew was going to be in the in the equation at some point about a year ago. And, uh, you know. I don't know. I, I think he's happy just being on the road, to be honest with you. How many times can he redo that song, though, man? <laughs> he's got a reggae version. He's got the acoustic version. There's one he did on some farm special. Um, he did a techno version, if you heard that, on the, was it, it was uh, Rocket Science, I think the limited edition. He added, uh, as a bonus, uh, a techno version of Jesse's Girl. Um, he had that one band cover it. You know what I'm talking about? The the guy yeah. and the girl, they did a rock version of it. I think so, yeah. It, it, there's like seven I can think of here, but anyways, I'm See, sorry. We, not, not to down it, but... <laughs> we could do it. We could. You know, I wish that I was Jesse's girl. Aw, oh, Jeff yeah, doesn't want to hear that. How about that? No. Oh. <laughs> All right, Jeff. No comment. Jeff, you ready to twist the knife? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right um is there anything else you want me to cover though jeff or deb no i, any, I can't any... think of anything i think we've no. covered it all we had I, it was a nice relaxing time just hanging out it, it felt more like a hang this time than it did uh us just trying to promote yeah i'm glad we don't have cameras on i'm <laughs> okay. Oh, I hope you didn't put anybody. Yeah, to sleep. I mean, I, I didn't ask you what you're wearing, and you. you <laughs> oh, know, 